This is Movies, a podcast about the active cinema. And with me today, he's got my favorite radio voice ever. It's Hans. Hans, how are you doing tonight? Welcome to Movies, episode two from Spooktober. What do you mean, Spooktober? Halloweeny tober. I I forgot that that word is offensive. That's my bad. I'm foreign. Leave me alone. <laughs> well, you know we have. Uh, you know it's it's been a time of tragedy in the Northeast, and uh, you know there's been a very controversial story, a controversial headline here. We brought in one of the experts on this. We brought in Jacob A. Miller, the cinematologist. He looks like he doesn't want to talk about it, but it's all right. <laughs> he he might get into it a little bit. How you doing, Jake? It's been a little bit since you've been on the show. Yeah, you know what? I made a reference to Barry Bonds just before we went on the air here, and uh, I'm, I'm coming after Jerry. He Barry Bonds'd my uh, all-time appearance record on here, so I'm trying to Hank Aaron it back. But you're tied now. With this episode, you're now tied for the lead again, so you at least got right. that. But ties always leave a poor taste in people's mouths. I wouldn't like a draw, but that's all right. We have someone who's not far behind with two appearances on the show. We have Jay Curtis Miller. How are you doing tonight, Jay Curtis Miller? You are still on mute, my friend. Let's hope no more audio issues. Hey. Uh, can you hear me now? I can hear, I can hear you barely, <laughs> but that that's all right. Um, at some point, I might just switch to computer audio, but yeah, I'm doing really well. I'm ready to talk about this movie, so... Okay. You should switch to like a rotary phone midway through this show. I think that might serve you a little okay. bit better. Uh, you know what I think your problem on Zoom might be is I think it's adjusting your volume based off of some arbitrary read of the call. Because it sounds like you come in low and then you start talking and your audio levels raise up. So might we are. Yeah, I, th I think it's going to be an issue with that. But we'll we'll do our best to not steamroll over you once your your mouth starts opening up. We'll all stay quiet, stay clear of that. So we are talking about Exorcist Believer. What do you think evil is? I'll tell you what I think it is. We're born in this world with hope and dreams and a desire to be happy. Dad? The devil has one wish. Wherever those girls went, they brought something back with them. <laughs> to make us lose faith. I believe you can help get our daughters back. To kill it in us. And the devil never gives up. Jake, we had you on, I think, for one of the... we David Gordon Green's first Halloween movie. Not Halloween Kills. Yeah. That, that was a Spencer show. Halloween Ends, I think, was... Was it you? No, no. I, I wasn't on for that one, but it was definitely on for... Uh, the 2018 version mm -hmm. for sure crazy to think that was five years ago i know or it doesn't it? feel like five years ago boy howdy though david gordon green has really ticked off some some film critics out there i couldn't believe it's it's a, such a large spectrum of critics that are unhappy with this movie jay you said to me over on instagram you mentioned that somebody that i watch and you watch James Hancock of Geeking Out with James Hancock, Wrong Real, really just, he pressed into this movie. And I watched his review, and I was like, I think he might be clouded with some anti-David Gordon Green bias when looking at this film. 
I'm not sure what it was that made critics hate this movie with a passion when there's three or four other movies that are pretty sacrilegious, no pun intended, when it comes to continuing the story of that first Exorcist movie. You would have thought there would have been a tolerance to that by now. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I kind of side with, I might be the odd one out on this show. Nope, you're not. No, not at all. Uh, I just, I just got out literally like 10 minutes ago and I'm, uh, yeah, I think I'm on this. I, I read your review and I was like, I don't agree with everything you said, but I feel like it's, it's pretty similar to what I was thinking. Look, um, any sort of religious beliefs aside, which I don't usually, I don't usually talk about. I usually just let that swipe slide on the rug. Um, but at the very least, I I thought that this going back to what you said about James Hancock, who I've recently discovered on YouTube, and I think he's a reliable film critic. That's worth watching at least every review that he does. At the very least, I just felt like this movie had no reason be called, to be called The Exorcist at all. I don't think it earned the title of like being called The Exorcist, whatever, let alone just like being kind of, I've been there, done that um, trope of a horror movie. Um, and the more that I think about it, I don't really, I guess, care too much for it. There's cer certain things that I like about it um but i overall i just felt like it was unnecessary um i do think going to like like piggyback off of halloween ends um i can see that david gordon green is growing as a director i think some of his style has kind of like um has gotten a lot better as 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 far as like shot selection and just kind of like um, the overall atmosphere he brings, because I felt like Halloween 2018 didn't have a ton of atmosphere. I felt like this one had kind of like a Southern Gothic feel to it. But I just, as soon as the exorcism started happening, I just thought it was kind of a copy of a copy of other exorcism movies. So um, I'm curious to hear what you guys think. I'm sure you like it more than I did. I just... For some reason, this just didn't work for me. Well, Jake, we can pass it over to you because I think you might have had a warmer reception than that. Well, first and foremost, let's address the elephant in the room here. The Exorcist from William Friedkin is objectively one of the greatest movies ever, ever made by every metric you could possibly measure. Writing, performances, cinematography, special makeup effects, uh, sense of dread, box office dollars, which if you adjust for today, Exorcist 73 would have made about $2.3 billion in today's money. Um, the performance of the demons was a lot better too than any other movie. <laughs> yeah, I believe that demon. It had very, very yeah. 4chan dialogue in the original. But um, so going off that, William Friedkin made probably one of the top 20 movies of all time. That's how far I'm going to go with that. This isn't that. And it couldn't even aspire to be that. But I was seeing all these really 
contentious reviews and I was noticing and I typically don't do this but I didn't have high hopes for the movie myself I was trying to parse a consensus of what were the actual misgivings the critics had about this particular movie and outside of something I'll get to in a second there really didn't seem to be a through line that any of these critics agreed on and so when I finally went and saw the movie last night my expectations were really low. Neither of the trailers really wowed me. I think The Exorcist is nearly an impossible movie to emulate in any shape or form, especially in 2023. And the way we make movies today and the way audiences consume movies today, it's, it's a pipe dream. But with that said, uh, I think me personally, as much as I was ready to be colossally let down and ready to pelt the screen with some kind of projectile. I didn't find myself doing that because there's, it's a mix. It's David Gordon Green is obviously a very ambitious guy and he has things that he wants to do with these legacy properties and he's being tapped as the guy to do it. And it's kind of, it's almost like the Shyamalan approach where he's taking a massive swing every time he goes for one of these projects and some things are okay, and then some things are goofy. So that's where I found myself. I didn't hate it. I felt that uh, there were a couple sequences that I definitely would have omitted, but I felt like this needed more time to breathe. I, I think he didn't get to develop it the way he wanted to. And then when it came to the possession stuff and um, and the meat and potatoes, I thought it was a little ham-fisted probably by the studio and... I don't think he necessarily made the movie he wanted to. So with that said, I would say what he what he did and what I think a lot of these dissenting critics didn't like was he actually makes a case for the utility of religion, at least in a communal aspect. And I think a lot of the critics, and there was one review from IndieWire, which don't read it, it's terrible, essentially looks like it just wanted to it was begging for this kind of deconstruction of roman catholicism and it wanted it mentioned wanting to venture into true crime territory which i don't see that as interesting with this franchise so i think it was critics brought a lot of their baggage in accordance with the religious ties in the movie and they wanted again that classic deconstruction we keep seeing we didn't entirely get that but the end product to me was just, it, it felt like maybe not a big swing and a miss, but it was uh, maybe a foul ball by Dave Green. Well, we still got another one coming out in a year and a half from him. So long as this isn't a bomb, and I have to imagine after spending $400 million on the property name, they're going to do the second one anyway. So I think it's just, it's inevitable that we're going to get Exorcist Deceiver, which is the, the title they're, they're running with that sort of rhyme scheme i guess what is the third one called hans if we want to look that one up because it is planned as well i think for 2026 or 2027 achiever <laughs> wide receiver <laughs> uh, we got is it that, has that been, is that out if i believe our two update from director teases trilogy i don't know if that have the names been names we were only thinking? deceiver I think no, I, th I think it was all three a while back, but long before the marketing campaign for this movie kicked off. But 
My feeling about this film is separated into two different columns. I'm trying not to be overly generous with it because I had such abysmal expectations. We had talked about on the show not even a month ago a leaked play-by-play of the movie that was put on the 4chan, and I suspect it wasn't a false plant. I think it was probably an earlier cut of the movie. So I went into this movie expecting a handful of things. The first thing I, I, I was really not looking forward to is they said that they removed all the Catholicism from The Exorcist. Which... And that was... They, no, they didn't. I don't think they did. But they definitely... It was not as focal, clearly, in this one as it had been in the first two movies. And Exorcist the Beginning and Dominion. The second thing I read was that Anne Dowd, this was apparently very early on. I don't know if they, they finished a cut of this and then screened it or what, and then they went back for reshoots. Anne Dowd was supposed to be Linda Blair's character. That was the first one I read. The second one I read was she's actually a Satanist, and she hands off the demon or something to a small child on a school bus at the very end. They cut that. That's not. I would have fucking loved that. <laughs> the I third thought she thing... was dead when she showed up. I was like, oh, I thought is that the because she kind of looked like the lady from uh, the Conjuring movies. Uh, I don't re- know what her name is, but yeah, they're merging know, like those a, like a lion. So she looked, oh, I think looked she, like a lion. She was in the. She was in Hereditary, right? I think she was. And Dowd. Yeah. So it's I think funny. She's I, the did, one... I did. I did a movie with Ann Dowd. She was in Seventh Day. That's an exorcism movie, isn't it? It is. It is an exorcism movie. It's not a very good one, but uh, yeah, she was in that, and she plays a character that gets possessed. So this is like her (laughs) sphere, I think. Her range. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The third spoiler I had read for an earlier cut was that it was going to end with one of the girls still being possessed, which... I was waiting for that to happen. It doesn't really... The ending is just very... We're not sure if we're going to get a sequel, so let's wrap this up. Yeah. You know, so it, I, 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 I had very low expectations for this movie, and I was just kind of waiting for it to fall off in a very hard way, and I didn't get that. The, the closest Same thing was the exorcism, I thought, was goofy. I thought having six yeah. or seven people just yelling at these two children... Did what, not Avengers, work for me at all. The, the Avengers being assembled didn't work for you. It's very, like, very hey, it chapter two when they're all just pointing at yes, Pennywise and yeah, saying "fu." Yeah. That's actually yeah. that's that's a great comparison to make because that did not work for me in the exact same way. When you have a group of people yelling at the antagonist, that fucking stinks. That is the least compelling thing of this movie by far. Well, they barely even yelled at it, right? They were kind of like praying to themselves, kind of like afraid of it, but not like not confident enough on whatever their faith was to say it out loud. They were just saying it to themselves. Uh, I am I'm, I'm not a fan of this movie at all. I'm very annoyed. I literally finished watching it, what, like half an hour ago. Uh, and uh, honestly, I feel like I just wasted two hours of my time to watch uh, an Exorcist movie that could have come out in 2006 or eight, whenever that um, influx of like 20 Exorcist movies came out where they were all kind of very similar. I don't think we got anything new or interesting that hasn't been done before. Uh, and I was kind of just bored by the whole thing. And um 
I, I have a big issue with not establishing rules as to what you're supposed to be expecting uh, from the movie, because at the end, uh, and spoiler alert, I guess, um, it's kind of like, uh, is it the demon that deceived this family? And that's how they ended up getting the girl with the goofy upside down uh, cross on her forehead. Uh, and they tricked the cowardly dad into choosing her. But then hold on, it might be the hoodoo thing that, that we did at the beginning. But wait, hold on, it might just be that the demon just picked her for no reason. So the fact that he he wasn't brave enough to to go one way or to, to give us one ending instead of just an open, it could be this, it could be this other thing. Wait, um, she's dead, but hold on, she just came back to life. And the one that said is actually the other one. I'm kind of like, all right, can you like pick one of them? Because then I thought that was the, I thought that's what it was doing. I thought it was pretty clear that it was it was an obvious setup that the play was whichever parent caved in first was choosing to suffer that it, it was but but then yeah. don't don't show me the the images of like the the whole you know haiti thing at the beginning then because then all right so he was tricked into giving his daughter and then the demon comes out and says i choose you right so go with that but then right after you do that we're shown images of the uh the the, the mother in haiti with like the ceremony that they did so then it's like okay so is it that this thing saved the girl and then the the hoodoo uh priest turns off one of the candles so it's like all right so is it that that prayer worked or is it that the demon tricked the cowardly dad that was just afraid of the demon and wasn't really trusting his faith i feel like the fact that there was no rules established at all then at the end it's like well it's an open ending. You you get to decide whichever you want, and that's kind of like right. I, I do think if there's there, a you know? a gaping wound in this movie, it's that it doesn't make a clear decision of trying to say which one is the right one, which yeah. one you can't have it all all work because it didn't work in the end. This is this is I think the first movie in the series anyway where it's a mm -hmm. failed exorcism. The demon just kind of goes on. Like, see, I didn't interpret it all that the Haitian spell or whatever at the start of the film did anything i they showed it at the end like they showed it after the girl dies right after the girl with the cross dies they show scenes of the hoodoo thing that happened at the beginning of the movie so so, so what that is is they say in the beginning that's the ritual that protects her right right so so then which one is it is it, it that could be both protected by this rich i think it's both because that's if you listen to what uh, Dave Gordon Green has said about the themes he's trying to establish in the movie. He's saying that it, all these rituals kind of have commonality. And so they all kind of like that. That's what he's doing. He, cause he doesn't want to, he has Catholicism in it, but he doesn't want it to only live in that world. So he's drawing from the different ones to say, these are all ancient rituals that work in unison. Is it kind of sloppy? Definitely. But that's, it, that's it, where I, that, that's it, what I found from it. Isn't that very Star Wars though, where you're like, well, did you read the novel that came out 10 years ago where it explains this thing that we're not going to show you on screen? We're just like, no, the funny thing is you, you say that at probably the midway point in this movie, I said, this is like 
Exorcist The Force Awakens in some ways. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, literally, Linda Blair, like, there's the whole subplot of, like, Luke Skywalker in Force Awakens. He's missing, and we don't know where he is. And then, you know, Reagan McNeil, she's missing. She's out there somewhere. We don't know where she is. Chris kind of gets Han Soloed a bit, a soft Han Soloing. But by the way, it's like, okay, so we're establishing Regan's mom as like the expert in exorcism, right? She's she's said multiple times that she's uh, studied multiple religions where uh, she knows everything that has to do with exorcism or whatever. And then she walks into a house where there's obviously a demon in a girl's body. And she goes by herself with no Bible, with no crucifix, with not anything to protect her. And then she just goes, demon get out of her body and it's like hold on so she's the expert we've established her as the expert and she does the dumbest thing that anyone can do in this setting which is taunting a demon with no power of anything at all and then at she gets, well, she's old. she's wrong yeah. well that, that's that's the thing is she's wrong she was clearly wrong and david gordon green did a subtle thing here that i caught and it seems like james hancock misread it when i was watching his review I immediately Hancock noticed. Look like, looks like the owner of Amazon, by the way. Just Google him. He looks like <laughs> Jeff Bezos. <laughs> so I can't respect. <laughs> yeah, Hans, you're bald too. What are you talking about? You can't go bald on bald head. violence. Nope. You, Hans you know, isn't bald. He's cholo. <laughs> That's right. I shave my uh, very luscious hair. Just It's a choice. It's not that I'm actually bald. Uh, mm. It's my child's choice. Right yeah. But here, here's what I caught when we started going over to Ellen Burstyn's 10 minutes she shot after principal photography had wrapped on this movie. I first noticed, uh-oh, there's a little rainbow by her sink. Where are we going? And then she says, oh, why didn't they let me in the room? The patriarchy. And I was like, oh, I, did, I wasn't a fan of that. It started getting douche chills a bit. But then they turn it around. And she walks in because you know, yeah, it was the patri it was the patriarchy that kept you out of that room. She exactly. knows everything. She's the expert. Oh no, you dumb bitch! And you're gonna lose your eyes because you think you know everything. No, she gets dunked on immediately. Sorry, you were wrong. Get back to the fucking retirement facility, Grandma. Uh, right. And no, she so lost that, that, lost her eyes that, because exactly of it. sandwich. Is that what we're saying? Go to the kitchen and make that demon a sandwich. Yes, that is the that is the through line there, the underlying message that David Gordon Green is sending. Uh, and also they brought out the most soy looking Catholic priest of all time. This little doughy face fucking guy. I think he was on Guiding Light. Guy. Yeah. And he's very nervous. He's like, ah, oh, but the, the church doesn't want me to do it. And then he's the only one who winds up killed at the end of the movie so the best best skill by the way i thought that was cool i thought that neck breaking thing was i was like all right i i enjoyed the way that he was skilled yeah but the thing with the the uh, ellen burston with chris mcneil was I, I saw that as a glaring i hate to use this word these days but subversion of what green was doing with the halloween movies and kind of the trend he brought back into the forefront of these legacy I mean, let's face it, old ladies that will come back and they're they're badass and they win and they save the day. And so they've done that with the Halloween movies. Um, David Blue Garcia did that with the Texas Chainsaw movie, but he ended, he ended up killing Sally Hardesty, which in hindsight was kind of a cool creative twist he did. And then Dave Green in this one was just like, all right, we're going to bring back Chris McNeil at 90 and just stab her friggin' eyes out because we're not doing that again. Like we're not going to follow the same pattern we're going to show that this is a totally different story and 
we're not just going to play to that trope that we set up the last five years. That's how I saw it, of him just subverting what people thought he was going to do with the legacy character. I will say it has a tinge of senior abuse to it to drag Ellen Burstyn out of her home and throw a bunch of blood on her face and make her scream and do all that. It was it was we a little wasteful. She did this, right? Yeah, she got the exact amount of money that she needed to start a like scholarship fund or some shit like that for actors. Which, okay, all right, pointless. Yeah, great. I don't she know. She must have been paid a shit ton of money though. <laughs> Yeah, I well, this is this shit done. This movie had a budget of what thirty million dollars, and she got paid probably a million, probably that. I don't know. Is the figure out that she named that she wanted? I haven't seen it, but just seeing kind of what got on screen with that kind of money, I, I think there's no way she walked on set for less than a million dollars at her age, with her library behind her and the kind of production this was like and with the, you got to take into account like the scale of things too uh it's not like the first halloween movie they did which was only 10 million dollars so they people were taking pay cuts for that this not so much i so mean definitely... i mean she's been doing law and order organized crime like she's not really you know is that right on... yeah right she's now thir 13 episodes from 2021 to 2023 well she's actually been busy for an old ass lady yeah my, Good for her, my biggest problem my biggest problem is there's really no reason for her to join um is his name leslie odom jr is yeah. that the lead there's really no reason for her to join her he doesn't really there's no scene preceding her introductory scene where it's like i have a daughter that might be possessed well i've had ten thousand, you know people ask me to help out their children or whatever there's just like no narrative thrust of like oh i need to help this guy it's just like oh i believe you and it's so whatever yeah. i just felt like it, it's so deliberately like written as if like okay if we can get ellen burstein in this movie uh we'll write this <laughs> we'll write this 10 minute scene and end it with her getting her eyes stabbed out but if she can't do it it's okay we'll just cut that out and it's fine Dude, what do you mean <laughs> he walked into her house and was like hey and then she was like oh okay i'll help you because my daughter yeah was... why there's no reason <laughs> there must have been like at least 30 people that have come to her in her lifetime since the exorcist this is where i say think... hey i've got this oh, yeah. fucking weird uh demented child <laughs> this is know. where i think yeah it, it's <laughs> i i don't think the movie even got to breathe enough it's it's an hour and 50 minutes yeah. and it seems like there very well could have been either 20 extra minutes to this movie that would have served it really well or if they trimmed out some of the extra stuff maybe in in the second act or something like that it there was just like Jay said, that that connective tissue is kind of missing. So it is a little jarring when Chris McNeil just walks up and the breeze is blowing off her on her beach home and she's just like, oh, okay, let's do it. Yeah. Well, it felt well, very last minute reshoot, which it was a last yeah. minute reshoot. Just, hey, who can we get? We need to get a name. Can we just throw some name connective tissue from that original one in there so it doesn't feel like the Exorcist TV show? And 
that's who they Which wound I'm up with. I'm fine with in theory anyway, because it's great to see. I mean, yeah, even she, she's 90 years old. So like, it, it's great to see the original cast members come back like that. It, it's just as with any of these properties, it's just, what are you going to do? And we're so past parody now. It's enough of the nostalgia bait or whatever, which they didn't play too much to that, in my opinion, which was nice, but it's. Well, I thought there was something. a lot of play by play mirroring of that first movie, but in a different way from the opening shot of the dogs fighting yeah. with each other. Yeah, that that's fine. In my opinion, it's not that egregious. Um, but when it comes to when you, you get these people to come out of the woodwork, like, again, uh, Ellen Burstyn, 50 years since she's been in the series. Uh, spoilers. I mean, everybody saw it coming. Linda Blair, it's been 46 years since she was involved with the series. And it's, um, and they, they did, they, they had something of a gratifying point of having Linda's cameo, but it's just the idea of, you're going to get these people to come back after all these years, get the most out of it that you can. Or, and, or uh, something. Yeah. Have her fly yeah. in on a locust. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> have her dance with a, an African tribe. Or, you know? No, no. It's, you know, have James Earl Jones, who's 92 now, come back in the locust <laughs> costume we, we wear in the second movie. Something, not just some lady that kind of looks like a lion now and she's just kissing her mom's hand that's great well, all right i guess uh that's so disrespectful hans how did they, she's 64 years old linda blair as you say she looks like a lion she kind of does look like a lion <laughs> <laughs> she's a very uh uh wizard of oz ish um i uh women like that when you call them lionesses <laughs> right i uh i uh i don't know i'm i'm very uh i'm I don't know why I'm disappointed by by this movie. Um, I feel like uh, the. Did you think it was going to be a more fun failure? I thought it was going to be more of a movie than I got. I I feel like everything felt so rushed, even though it was almost two hours. Um, there's not much of a setup uh, for me to g give a fuck about any of the characters. Uh, I think that using two possessed girls was a mistake. Uh, because we care about one of them and then you have a southern family that they're all kind of shitty that family is kind of like presented as kind of shitty and then we're supposed to also care about their daughter even though we are giving nothing for to care i don't i don't know if they were presented as shitty i think they were presented as more complex than the leslie odom character uh, what's his name victor field and, and his daughter well, at least we have a scene with them, right? Where they interact with each other and they're doing the whole vegan piggy thing, right? So I guess that's a setup for them. Hey, they joke around with each other. So uh, father and daughter thing. There's no interaction with the other girl and the two parents other than what they have in the car for like 30 seconds where she lies to them. And then after that, we're supposed to care about the decision at the end right where the dad is like well i'm gonna pick my daughter and then he picks the daughter but what do we see about this this other girl um well i think it's uh this is a cliche but i'll just say it it's just um the other little girl is just i mean the representation is just innocence and that's actually one of the things that i actually kind of liked at the end when um again spoilers who cares um when the other little girl whose name is Catherine in the movie, I believe when she's the one that 
like she accidentally dies because the dad thinks he's saving her but that was the that was the right. bait and switch right there, there's actually gravity to when she's killed she nods off but then it rubs it in and it shows her in what can only be this hellish afterlife and like pulled underwater which the imagery is okay it's yeah it's fine but th it actually gave it weight and it was actually something that i was like hey, you know what that's not it's not so bad in a not so good movie I think I thought that was kind of ballsy to not just kill her, but then have her suffering in like you like you just said, she's in hell. She's going to be tormented forever now. So it's like the worst fate imaginable for a child. Do you, do yeah. you care about her though? Because like, what what about her existence matters in this movie? Um, we see her lying to her parents, and then they go into the woods and they do the uh candle thing for about 30 seconds before we cut away from them then when we see her next she's being goofy at the hospital uh rubbing her face on the on the glass right then the next thing we see from her is that she's at church doing something on her dress with her brother and sister being like okay she's doing something weird and then after that she that was that seemed implicit what she was doing it was like the the, the Reagan thing, thing, but not but not brave enough to do that. Exactly. So it was like, okay, so if you're gonna do something like that, then do it, but not brave enough to do that. And then you have the I wrote this down, uh, the, uh, the body and the blood scene, which was like it made me laugh how embarrassing that was out of mo like yeah, trying to make wasn't very good <laughs> trying to make a moment out of that and there was nothing there mm -hmm. uh, and then after that like we just see her be possessed so then there's really no relationship that's established about her the, her parent do they like her we don't know well we never i saw, saw it, her i saw it as her. um I, th I and here's one of the things i thought both of the young girl actresses were actually pretty good whereas i thought Leslie Odom Jr. was probably actually one of the lesser notes for me in the movie. I thought he was too one note of a uh, performance. That I thought the young girls were pretty good. And as it pertains to the girl that dies, I thought she was presented as a pretty relatable everyday kid. Yeah, kids fib and lie to their parents and they play silly games and they play with all those kinds of things that, that would get them into trouble. So I, I thought she set up as a pretty relatable character i guess i i understand what you're getting at where that we don't get too much like intimate screen time with her and her family yeah. but i think she's presented as real enough in relation to like real life that she's a believable little girl and that's what i think worked for me when they actually uh go that way with the ending which is one of the few things that definitely worked for me with this movie Right. I, I do enjoy the fact that there are consequences for these characters that are severe. Now, as for whether or not we care about that little girl by comparison, I do think the answer is somewhere in the middle here where you're just kind of supposed to care because she's a kid. And for the longest time, I think that was the case that, hey, if a kid is mostly inoffensive, especially if it isn't like the good son with Macaulay Culkin, where he's a fucking horrible prick, then you're supposed to care a little bit if some miserable fate is met to that child that and kill off the kid from the babadook you can hang him from the tallest tree in the village i don't care but in even, this instance even, they didn't build they... that up enough in in my opinion you're probably right hans but would would the movie be more interesting if it did have a quarter of the film focused on her and her family i don't think the answer is yes 
Maybe not, but then what is her purpose? Because even at the beginning, when well, she's she the main lying... supporting character for she's the best friend character for that daughter for Angela. But when she's when she's lying to her parents of the car, they're not even paying attention to her. The dad is upset about uh, the other parent uh, blocking his way so he can't get out, even though his kids haven't even gotten out of the car. So I have no idea what he's upset about. Right. And then the mom is also ignoring her. So we're not even seeing an interaction between them where they even give a fuck about her uh, other than at the end where she's completely possessed. So like, if, if you're going to have two possessed girls, give me something so that I can care about both of them. The only thing that I got was that one of them got a hoodoo thing at the beginning that's going to protect her. And then there's the thing with her mom at the end where they're like, well, you never wanted me with a Batman voice. With one cool whatever. thing actually that now that it actually occurred to me and uh Lorez was talking about it, the imagery of um dragging the girl like drowning her into hell there's actually a line earlier in the movie where her parents talk about because of the denomination of christianity they are she hasn't been baptized yet so that right. which again in the ritual it's like that's a huge important yeah. thing so that that was actually kind of cool because that just occurred to me so just a little thing but it's just, I just, I feel so, like so that draws a distinction from what you were saying about like the hoodoo ritual. So she got that, um, right. The Angela character, she got some when she was prenatal, uh, prenatal. We didn't then... even see it either. Right. It was just like, we just saw them shaking some things. Salt shakers yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They shake, they shook some water things in the mom's face, and so. then <laughs> they, they spoke on tongues or whatever. And then, okay, she's protected. Fine. I can live with that. But then don't, don't do like the whole thing is like you're supposed to care about both of it you can't pick one of them to die and it's like well there's one of them that we've spent time with and with her, her relation with their parent and then there's the other one that just has a cowardly dad that's afraid of everything that's hiding away in another room and then a mom that was just confused the entire time that the exorcism was was happening where she wouldn't even pray out loud or anything we had the the um I don't know what the actor's name is, uh, but the the dad of the main girl, let's say, he even he was an atheist, and then he started uh, uh, saying the um, what is this prayer? He just says Hail Mary. Yeah, the Hail Mary. Yeah. Uh, so so it's like okay, so he realized that maybe being an atheist is not how you fight this. So he went back to his Catholic or religious background to like try to get his daughter out because he's uh, desperate. We get that. On the other side, even though they go to this church where they beat their chests and they yell and whatever, the mom was never convinced or any of anything where she was even uh, confident enough to say it out loud. The dad was in a different room, not even wanting to confront what was happening to his daughter. Why would I give a shit about his daughter if they don't even care enough to be in the same room or saying out loud? So that was just kind of like... Well, yeah, let's pick the one where the dad is looking at her to her face and going back to his uh, uh, faith that he didn't believe in, as opposed to, I pick my daughter, I pick Catherine or whatever. It's like, you're I not see even the point the you're making. You're speaking kind of from a narrative point where it's like, like, like inherently, yeah, so Laura is right. Inherent, the, the inherent kind of suggestion is we should care because she's a kid and that's innocence. You're, you're kind of drawing like a logic line of well, we haven't followed these people much. So are you really know. confident that's going to carry any weight? I yeah. thought it did because I thought the the actress who played the little girl was was pretty good. And I thought um, 
again, just with the imagery they used at the end and went really drove it home how much that poor kid is going to suffer i i maybe that was them saving face at the last second that's probably why it worked for me but you you totally make sense by drawing like the logical through line of that from by a the writing way, standpoint i was waiting at every moment when they started wrapping things up in the last five minutes and they show that empty desk you never see the girl's gravestone you do see the uh lead character yeah the the mother of the the lead girl and i was like they're gonna they're gonna trip themselves and they're gonna have the girl walk in and sit down at the desk and that and then you're gonna see that she's possessed or something rises right it's gonna be cafe in france (laughs) she nods at at each other (laughs) that is fully what i was anticipating with this ending i thought they were gonna fuck it up and they didn't She's just dead and suffering, so I commend them for that ending. I was pretty happy about that. I left the theater smiling about that fact. I don't well, know. I, kinda, I, I, you, I, you, yeah, what, what, what? You do kind of get that scene, though, with the dad at the end, right, where the, where you have the neighbor giving her religious speech. or mm-hmm. I don't remember anything she says, and then the dad is just there sitting the guardian, with a the coffee, protector. very sad, the and then the mom night. comes, and they're mm-hmm. like, let's just, you know, we're, we'll get through this. Just like fucking don't show me that shit. That's what, what, uh, what does Ann Dowd say? She's like, uh, do you know what I think evil is? My, and I feel was... like it, I feel like in real life she'd be like, no, no, my I don't eyes give hurt. Shit. My <laughs> yeah. my eyes, I can't see anything. <laughs> yeah, like because she's always like that. Well, well, it's just I don't know. It had such a forced ending monologue. Randall's like, you know what I think evil is? And I feel like the person she was talking to be like, no, I don't care. Like, why the way the fuck are you talking about this? You mean, about you mean the, the detective that doesn't care about anything religious? She's just staring at her like, okay. like Yeah, cares? it's yeah. like, it, I don't know. It To me, that felt like the Halloween Kills kind of forced messaging that I have to put into here. But, I mean, it's fine. He could have read it. He could have wrote it in better, but uh, that was just like, at that point, I was just so checked out. It was just kind of funny and be like, you know what I think evil is? No. And it just cuts to black. <laughs> Which there, there's, there's a great anecdote that aligns exactly with that point that I think everybody on this show knows, but we'll tell the audience if they never did. So there was a scene that was cut from the original Exorcist film where Father Karras and Father Marin take a break from exercising Reagan and they sit out on the stairs and they have this two or three minute dialogue where Jason Miller says, why would it do this? Like, why pick a child uh, instead of just do whatever? And Father Marin says, oh, well, that's the point. It's it's making the child suffer and therefore making us suffer and making us think what kind of a God would allow that. And when they were in editing, Friedkin was adamant. He said, we're not putting that scene in the movie. It's it says the whole point. The point is implicit in everything else we're saying. And so they cut it out of the movie. And William Peter Blatty, who was very passionate about that scene, didn't speak to Bill Friedkin for probably 15 or 20 years after he originally cut that scene out of the movie. So right there is that's exactly what was put into the ending. Like you were saying, Jay, where it's like it just by that point, we're kind of exhausted and checked out we didn't need another five six minute monologue because if you haven't figured it out by then then you just either ignore the whole movie or you just didn't pay attention 
So right. the monologues I just, I that I thought that was a fun parallel that explain essentially, I guess, what David Gordon Green's perspective is on religion and Christianity were definitely the most shoehorned part of the. And there's several of them. There's like three or four, and they're all delivered by Ann Dow, telling you the importance of religion is actually community. The people care about each other. It's not what they believe in. It's that they care about each other. That whole thing, I was just like, okay, we got it. All right. Does she have to speak for <laughs> fucking dies six tonight. minutes? I, I, you know what? I will say this, and, and this is also why I was particularly warm to this movie, is watching Halloween Kills and seeing just how far off the rails David Gordon Green and Danny McBride took that movie compared to Halloween 2018 and then obviously Halloween, the original Carpenter film, and all of the sequels, really. I was like, okay, they're they're making their own movie, and it just so happens to be in the world of Halloween. That's that's the playbook that you have to um, keep in mind when you're watching this film. So I figured that would be the case, especially since they announced a trilogy, and it's going to be Blumhouse again that's producing. Okay, two girls possessed at the same time, very haunted house, uh, Canopy Lake Park, spooky world idea for a horror movie i'm in fuck it no one else has done it let's let's do this all right fine uh it's going to be horrible it's not going to be nearly as bad as something like exorcist the beginning and certainly not as cartoonish as exorcist to the heretic hans you've been holding that face for about a minute straight you must be so amused right now you don't even blink uh for those who are on patreon.com slash lowres in the five dollar tier hans has been straight up frozen we got mr freeze on the line He's possessed. <laughs> yes, he's possessed. Hans, are you with us? Nope, Hans is fucking dead. Hans is in that in that muddy tunnel that little girl got dragged into at the end. <laughs> he went with Walt Disney on us. So I was expected, you know, I was expecting it to get really goofy, and all the trailers felt like an exorcism of Emily Rose style pastiche. The the last exorcism. I hate all those movies. I hate any exorcism film. That isn't The Exorcist, essentially, although I've definitely warmed to the sequels in The Exorcist series since uh, initially watching them, especially The Heretic. The Heretic, I just treat as like a fantasy film that's so ambitious and confused in what it wants to be. And I enjoy the fact that they were swinging for the fences with so much of that. And they go to Africa and it's just, just this big Warner Brothers production you could never make in this day and age. And then Exorcist 3, a lot of people point to as the best of the sequels because George C. Scott is just an amazing leading man. And Ed Flanders is very good. It's not and in the file. It's not. Brad Dourif, of course, <laughs> is stellar in everything that he does. Legion, we, we discussed that on the last show. Hans, you were kind of lukewarm on it. But I, I have to say, in my opinion, I think this is probably the best Exorcist sequel. Hmm. It's weird. I've had like a combination of different feelings since I saw it last night. At first, my reaction was that wasn't all that bad. Like, what were people really complaining about? Like, 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, it's not that bad, um, even though that means nothing relatively now. And then a little bit later, I was like, yeah, but it still wasn't very good. But now I'm of the mindset that like I said at the beginning, it's just you have to take into account you're following up one of the greatest movies ever made and you'll never recapture that moment, but all you can do is make it yours 
And David Gordon Green has choices that I like. He has choices that I don't like, but he's unabashedly ambitious. And if nothing else, he just does whatever the hell he wants. And it's going to yeah. stick the landing sometimes and, it, and, and it's, and it's going to fall short, but that's all you can ask from a creator is that they give their honest take. I mean, even if it sucks, but like, so it doesn't feel paint by numbers or just like a shot for shot Gus Van Sant thing. Right. I think uh, there's a, it, there's a, sorry, I, I was just going to say, there's a set of rules. I think when it comes to doing any of these horror sequels of what you're supposed to do. And if you don't do what you're supposed to do, what, the general audience horror fan base thinks you're supposed to do, then they just automatically dismiss it. And what I appreciate about David Gordon Green is that he doesn't really seem to give a shit about that and he's just gonna do his own thing. So that's that's my perception of this movie. He felt like he had to do something that was enough in line with what he did with Halloween twenty eighteen, which is okay, we gotta remind people of that original movie just enough. But then he got eager and he hopped into his Halloween kills and his Halloween ends mindset and tried to do something along those lines with it, which I appreciated. And it was, again, doesn't make it a good movie, but it was better than what I anticipated. Jay, sorry to cut you off. Hop in there. No, you're good. Um, this is, whether or not I like it or not, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's bad at all. I think I just was kind of disappointed by how kind of, paint by numbers it was for the most part but it still is like a david gordon green movie through and through i he's utilizing um non-actors or just like local talent from savannah georgia to be in this movie uh, one thing that i still there's two scenes in the movie that i felt were the most memorable and they're really small and specific but um it's early on when they're um searching for the daughters then doing the whole sort of manhunt thing and leslie odom jr's character is uh hanging out with the homeless people and then that guy does the this thing and it's he's like (laughs) cross-eyed too and i'm like that guy either is a real homeless guy or he's just like a local actor in savannah georgia and like he does that he does that all the time in his movies which i appreciate and then the other scene is um, that I thought was the closest thing to William Friedkin's Exorcist um, was when uh, I think Ann Dowd's character is with Angela, the the black possessed girl, and then her demon voice. It, I think it's the first time that the demon voice actually speaks from the perspective of these girls, and he says like. I scraped her out like a pumpkin or something out of your whatever. And then she starts bleeding from her vagina. And I'm like, okay, that's, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty subversive. I think that's like the closest thing to an exorcist movie that you could do. But I just feel like if you had more scenes like that, yep, that were really like kind of disturbing and gross and cyclically sardonic, um, this movie would have won me over a lot more than it did. Yeah, I, I think with exorcist movies, you've got to like, there has to be this crazy balance of like elegance and then shock factor. I mean, that's just the, that's the reality of it. If you watch the original film, it's almost a constant juxtaposition of these really soft, quiet talking scenes. And then immediately smash cut to something brutal. Like it's, and if you listen to 
Friedkin's commentary, which I actually I actually did last week to get ready for the show. Like that's intently what he did. It was have like these intimate character based moments that are just uh, very introspective, and you almost lose yourself in the dialogue because it's Blatty's great writing. And then two seconds later, it's shoving across into your privates. Like th- there needs to be. I'm not saying copy him and, and don't do the Gus Van Sant thing, but there should have been more a more mindful uh, approach to that juxtaposition the same way Blatty did without ripping him off. You can do that. I think it's tough to be subversive in this day and age, though, with it, because, for example, if you have a little kid swearing, well, that's just big mouth. That's good boys. That's like mainstream movies and animation Mm -hmm. doesn't have that sort of whoa element that it did in 73. And even the gore, the gore would not be it, it wouldn't people have been so groomed to get used to that sort of thing from their horror movies and you would have to take it to an absolute crazy extreme that would be off-putting it i mean maybe, maybe that's what you have to do right if you're going to yeah. go in that direction so for them to scale it back and mitigate that i wasn't bothered by that because it was them recognizing it's kind of a losing game and this is a universal pictures film at the end of the day they're not going to let them do fucking salo so well yeah that, that that's kind of the point too um that it's so I say this as a massive fan of the Halloween movies, and I always have been, uh, to probably even a fault. Um, wasn't super excited when I heard they were going to make the new trilogy, but I really liked the first movie, and then I really warmed up to the second two they did. And um, as much as I love the original film, and I think it's a perfect genre film, there's there's a world and there's a formula that you can work from there. there there's a workable kind of uh blueprint with the halloween movies because of its simplicity but with the exorcist it's it was a movie that just pushed the boundaries so drastically and to do that today with today's way of making movies and today's audience it's again it's near impossible when you look into how friedkin made the original film and how cavalier he was having worked on a lot of movies and I know all of us have like we've been around movies with kids and studio teachers and with you know producers and and all like all the amount of press that movies get these days you can't be or you can but you won't last long being that cavalier and being that pervasive and then audiences today with how hyper or, or critics maybe with how hyper sensitive they are to certain topics or even something as every day as like Catholicism with some of these critics, just the the landscape right now just doesn't allow for it. It doesn't allow you to be as pervasive and daring. So you're making a point of like, if you were going to go there, it would have to be something so shocking that it probably wouldn't even get approved, so to speak in the, in the shooting process. I mean, would it just be the demon being racist for two hours of the movie? Just saying, (laughs) it would just be a comedy at that point. I mean, yeah, but then they'll make it. Then if you're going to make a movie that's supposed to be a remake of a movie that went further than what your movie did fucking 30 years ago, what are you bringing to the table that is different or that is pushing the the limits other than like if a movie that came out what 70 what is 79 73 
1973. Fuck, that's almost 50 years ago. It's 50 years ago. It's over 50 years ago, Hans. (laughs) Well, there you go. So that movie went further than this one. So what is separating this from, again, the 20 exorcism movies that came out in 2006, 2004, or whatever, when there was like boom of like, well, there's just a demon and oh, she's floating. We saw her floating here. Oh, she's saying not really inappropriate things because what was the most inappropriate thing that was said in this movie? Hey, you they, had an abortion. You no, know, they, so- they recited the line from the original film that um, Reagan says when she violates herself in Burke Denning's voice about her he's like they recite that your cunting daughter they recite that line that's the dirtiest thing they say so then it's like okay so what are you bringing new to the table that is worth watching that has not been done a hundred times before 20 years ago in the early 2000s like I think that was my biggest issue with this, that it's like, okay, so it's 2023. I understand that the sensibilities of what you can get away with in the movies is a lot different than what you can do in the 70s, in the 2000s even. But then it's like, okay, so are you going to give me anything new or are you just going to rethread the same things that were done 20 years ago in the 2000s? Because then it's just boring. I've seen this so many times before on that boom where... Italian movies were doing it or, or European movies where the trailer that they would show you would be like, oh my God, the most shocking movie we've ever seen. And then you watch it and you're just kind of like, okay, some movie about an exorcism. And oh my God, she's got crosses on her face. But now it's 2023. So if you can't get away with things that are going to be shocking, they're, they're going to make you say like, oh fuck, okay, so I'm actually afraid of that demon because he's doing things that should not be done or that are not acceptable. But you don't even give me that. You give me a, a very lukewarm, very, you didn't want me because my mom, oh, you only wanted me when my mom was dying. It's like, is that really as far as you're willing to go? Then what's the point of this movie at all? Well, you know, I'll, I'll pose a question to you guys because I, I might slightly contradict myself in a second, but um so watching the original film do, do those moments still stick with you guys like the shocking moments do they still work with you every time you watch it no of course not. i think that you watch it the second time and it it all fades it's a movie at the end of the well, day well, but in terms of it, do you but... do you think are, are you asking if we still consider it like a, sh- a shocking behavior or if it actually shocks i i'd say does it still reg- register watching it you're, you're never gonna ha- gonna have the reaction you do the first time but do you are you still convinced by it that's that's kind of what i'm asking well that's like, tough to answer because i've watched so many making ofs for the i've seen the exorcist probably eight times this year in different forms you know i'm too close to that in filmmaking to be able to see it strictly as that. so okay so i'll cut to the chase because the question the question i'm asking the point of that was that so i've seen the movie a thousand times and i've watched all the behind the scenes stuff i've listened to the commentary i've watched all the q a's like i'm a big fan of the movie but i'm still entertained and engrossed by it every time i watch it and here's the thing to to bring up the debate of if it's a matter of if they should push the envelope even further if they're going to try to emulate kind of the, the model of the original film you know what i don't really know if it's that what it comes down to for me is is execution i think you could have let's just say uh, generally you could have the same level of of shock from the original film but it would need to be conveyed or it would need to be uh 
pulled off in a convincing way. I, I think there's there's not enough... Um, with, with the original film, they tried to shoot it very documentary style. That's what Friedkin said. So it had a very grounded feel to it here. And so all those moments stick the landing because of how uh, how much attention to detail and how much delicacy and, and perfection was put into each scene. I think moments like that could still stick the landing if there was more. And, and I like a lot of what David Gordon Green does. But honestly, I think if there's more competency behind the filmmaking, behind the editing, the cinematography, the acting, really, which is probably the biggest factor in the original film that sells it the most. If those qualities are more competent, um, I think it's not about pushing the envelope further. It's about you believing that more and and not saying, oh, this is very, this is very Emily Rose movie kind of moments or like, last exorcism. I, I think it's a matter of, execution rather than this uh, the actual content itself if that makes any sense no of course i think that applies across the board though in terms of anything you're doing i think it's the juxtaposition of that and you have the shocking moments that are sprinkled in that made that movie iconic can you really even do that with a sequel doesn't seem like it I don't think i don't think they have the most shocking moment that i've seen in any exorcist sequel is probably Oh God, um, Richard Burton the... attacking fifteen-year-old Linda Blair to fuck her on the bed. Pedof you know, <laughs> that's pretty. That was pretty shocking for seventy. What was it? Seventy-six, seventy-five. That 77. movie, seventy-eight. Yeah, that's about it. I mean, there's some moments in Exorcist Three that I think hit pretty hard in a good way, but it's it's still far, far from the 73 film. So I think you have to make a decision whether or not you're going to try and match that if you're really going to be that ambitious. And if you're not going to be that ambitious, then go into the literary roots of it. Get very acquainted with the characters with this film. So there's an investment from the audience and the fear isn't from something that's vulgar, but is from potentially this likable or relatable character or character that you just want to root for suffering a bad right. fate that's what i'm getting at because if you go to the original film the i'm going to use this word again the the juxtaposition of reagan who linda blair's performance is is legendary for she was 13 14 at the time um to where she's actually physically playing that role when possessed and just uh just the level of proficiency in her performance makes you believe it and makes you makes you care for her from the first time you see her in the movie to yeah. where that's why it's so shocking and there's so much gravity to it and, and it just didn't have that level here i think not necessarily only because of performance i think there's a lot of other factors there you but you can't even like direct actors like that anymore yeah yeah that's yeah these that's, days like oh, the point, um, the rumors of like she went crazy after this movie he went into i think that had more to do with hanging out with rick james after the movie than anything <laughs> to do with the exorcist oh or not not even not even linda blair you know that y'all know what i'm talking about the infamous clip from the behind the scenes where uh ellen burstein is hooked up to that uh wire that's connected to the back of the wall Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was William Friedkin who told the stunt guys or if it was the stunt guy. Okay, he said, give him hell. And then when the initial masturbation scene, they just 
yank her up and they almost break her back. And it's a, a genuine scream from Ellen Burstein. Yeah, what happened was they, they they yanked her down once and it hurt. And Friedkin's like, do it harder. So they do yeah. it again. And I think Ellen Burstyn broke her tailbone when she landed like yeah. that. And it's yeah. So you know, I I think there's some nuances here. Like, but I I've always been going at this from the the phrase of you can't make I think a great Exorcist movie when you go at it with this very committee style of filmmaking that's become so part and parcel of 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 the industry right now. Because even though Jason Blum or somebody like him liken themselves as independent. Uh, producers and everything they still work in the click and they work in this real committee style of filmmaking that's why it was always going to be a mountain to climb to make anything resembling um the original film or even just in tonality or or whatever you want to call it because the whole mold and style of filmmaking has become so safe and i mean there's good and bad behind that i obviously but i think the, the consequence of that is you can't you can't take the risks that you could in 1973 and still work and everybody wants to keep their job david gordon green included then it's just a cash grab Hans, your audio's your your audio is bad right now it's really bad what's going on here Hans, I think you should say something that nice better? about this movie since you haven't said anything hello, hello. nice about the hello, movie. Hello. Yes, I can hear you. Yeah. We can hear you fine. Okay. Hans. So so then so then it's just a cash grab, right? Because you're using the name but Well yeah, they spent four hundred million dollars on the title The Exorcist. But but then and and then I go back to I think it was uh Jay's uh review where it's like I'm gonna forget that I watched this movie tomorrow because it's really not giving me anything memorable that i'm going to remember tomorrow about but, this movie because it's just paint but, by numbers right yeah so but, then it's but, like oh, go ahead. sorry it, it, it ends up being just an exercise of like well hey you like the exorcist you know that movie that scared you so many years ago this is the sequel to it it's not gonna have, go as hard as that one it's not gonna have uh the elements that that movie has but hey the title is there and and that's my issue with bloomhouse uh remakes where it's just like Here's the title. Did you recognize the title? And then that movie. We got the tubular like, bells. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They hey, use the font the at the end. Right. The move. The the music is there. Do you remember this music? But then it's like, okay, am I going to remember this movie a week from now that I even watched this? Probably well, not. You're getting you're getting at another point. As much as I have fun, uh, just crapping on the mechanism that the the studio model has these days and and there's definitely a lot of blame to go around on that end like i said a little bit earlier though i i also credit this to how the public consumes movies now because i don't think any of us would really consider ourselves in the normie crowd i mean this is what we breathe it's what we do so we we get this stuff like Lorez has watched the exorcist eight times this year and all like the special features i've been you know ear deep in commentaries and behind the scenes all that kind of stuff you got to get on the archive.org cbs 1981 movie of the week version of the exorcist where I, william friedkin dubs the <laughs> demon's voice i i said i heard that from you but yeah it's um you almost have to give 
the studios in this case a mulligan because the whole way people consume movies now is just drastically different and um for a property like the exorcist they they need to they know people know the name but people there's just such a casual even the, the, the casual moviegoers in 1973 that saw the original film go watch the tapes from when news stations were going on the street those were all casual movie fans but they, their value of going and seeing a movie was so much higher than it is yeah. for the casual audience today you, you can't get them to line up around the block unless it's for iron man 67 and even then it's going to be we're in that content era right where it's like everyday content 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 um and i was selling this to my girlfriend after we left the movie i was like I don't think I like movies. I, I think I've, I've just realized that I actually don't like movies. <laughs> like I'm actually just, I, I can't remember the last time that I was at, at a movie theater and I was like, you know what? Yes. Hans because like movies, he likes films. Right. <laughs> because it's just like, I don't, I, I, I don't know. I, every time I go to the theater, I always have so many issues with the things that I watch. And I'm just like, is it just, is it me that I'm just, I've been so desensitized by watching these movies from the past where we looked like they cared for the, for the movies where now it's just like, can you give me a little bit of effort? Like, can you, if I can, if I, that I, I don't even make movies, I haven't shot anything in like fucking 10 years. If I can find holes or things that don't make sense or that don't fit or that conveniently fit so that the movie can have an ending, then what does that tell you about like the way they make movies now? Where it's just like I it, it, again, it might just be me. That's what I'm thinking now. Where I come out of the theater every time I go, and I'm just like that fucking sucked. Is it just me that I'm not enjoying it, or is it that just I just don't like the way they make movies anymore? It's it's the latter because it's again the 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 proof is is all on on tape. Like again, go back and watch those original newsreels. I I watched some today to have like again kind of a context going into this uh this episode is watch how many people were just lining up around the streets and it was it was just a movie it, it didn't have a franchise attached to it people knew that there was a popular book but that that's not what got people in the theaters whereas today it's just uh the common audience is just oh another franchise movie yeah i'll go see it and like there, there's not there, there's not this sense of like being in the moment of something important that there was obviously when the first one came around. Um, it, it's just, so yeah, it is on the studios and the production companies of maybe sanitizing the process of movie making a little too much, but then on the casual audiences that they, they just stopped feeling that movies were really important or were that they were uh, kind of uh, like a moment to pause for the last we get maybe one of those a year but never to the scale that the original film did because i watch those newsreels and it's unbelievable how many people you see wrapping around like fifth avenue in new york to go see that movie well and they just now you back and back now you get that fake marketing right of like well, this this movie made people throw up in the theater. Oh, there's so many people that passed out watching this movie. And then you watch, or in your like, case, oh, cool, shit someone. in the theater. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it, that didn't happen. Actually, I'm very surprised that it didn't. Uh, but but then it's just like, uh, what was that French movie, Flesh or Skin or something? And it was just like, oh, people were passing out. And then you watch it, and it's like, oh, the, she ate part of her leg. It's like that's. 
That's it. <laughs> what? what? Wasn't what? that movie called Raw? Raw, Raw, Raw. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought you were where, referencing where they... Titan for a minute, where you're talking about the woman who has sex with the car and is pregnant with the car. No, not even that one. I I feel I think like yeah, Raw is the one where the marketing was like, well, people are passing out in the theater because they're it's so such a shocking movie, and then it's on Netflix. It's just like a, this shocking movie. It's on you watch it, and it, she cut a scab of her leg and ate it, and that's what was making people pass out. So even even that marketing of like this is such a shocking movie that's gonna rock you to your core. You watch it and you're just like, I I I had rotten.com growing up. This is not affecting me in any way at all. <laughs> yeah, I think it just comes down to how people are told to really consume and review your movies now. It's just not what it used to be. And so the studios are gonna play to that too. They're gonna make something more palatable something like uh, i i think if they borrowed from anybody with this movie of like the modern age i'd say unfortunately maybe somebody like andy muschietti who i don't think is all that good um he kind of set the boogly woogly model when he did i think it was the mama movie he did and then did the oh, movies and just tra so i think they were probably borrowing from that because that seems to be what works and i'm I'm dude, I'm totally down for like the the goofy fun house horror movies like The Nun and all that. Great, they're fun, they're they're goofy and they're not very good, but they kill an hour and a half just fine. But with something like The Exorcist that has gravity to its name, it's you're gonna make money either way. So yeah. who cares what because this is exactly what William Friedkin would say. I'm speaking on his behalf, I swear to God. Um like who gives a crap what the audience wants or what's palatable for them. You're going to make money just because of the name anyway. So you should push that envelope as much as you can as the filmmaker. You should make an it, African fantasy where you see a locust POV flying through <laughs> crop fields. I agree. I, I think they I mean, took it wait, to wait, that, let's be that honest, limit. A24 would have done that if they got the rights. Yeah, we'll get a we'll get a heretic too at some point. We'll get the soft seat. Get a that. bisexual That'll locust. <laughs> That'll be good. Uh, Dominion's pretty good. I already yeah, visited I, Dominion recently. I thought that was yeah, actually I, much you, better than I've, I've got to get like a copy of that. I remember what happened when I first saw that. Um, the beginning came out, and I was interested, and I, I caught it on like HBO or something, and. I remember I was like, eh, it, it, it had its moments. It was okay, but Rennie Harlan was on a stink fest at that point. Um, and then I saw the DVDs and everything for the uh, for Dominion, and I said, what the hell is this? And, and I caught like 30 minutes of it. And I said, didn't I see this movie like a year or two ago? Because <laughs> there was so much lifted from the beginning. And... So I, I I still haven't gotten through the whole movie I think because I was just so confused when I first got my eyes on it's it. It's on Peacock in its entirety right now. So I I also went oh, to no go way. see I'll watch it tonight. Exorcist: The Beginning in theaters and I watched it and I was like, it was just a straightforward horror movie. It was it was essentially what people are saying of this movie. And then Paul Schrader's version of that because he had gotten fired after shooting the movie, almost completing the movie. They were like, all right, we got this full movie sitting on the shelf. This movie didn't perform to our expectation. Why don't we just drop it on pay-per-view? Because pay-per-view was still a thing back then. And then I watched it, and I was, you know, I watched this when I was like 15 years old, 14 years old. 
I was deeply bored by it. And the visual effects, it looked like that. I don't know if you remember back in 2007 or 8, whenever Wolverine X-Men Origins came out, oh, there was a not. leak online yeah. where the visual effects were not finished. And the exorcism moment of the ending for Dominion looked like that. And I was like, what the fuck is this? This sucks. But... You know, visual effects have gone down the drain since 2005 somehow, thanks to the Disneyfication of everything and hiring Indians from Fiverr.com to do your epic, uh, epic chungus battles Laura, between we, the Avengers. We have, we have a, a pattern on this show. I've listened to a couple episodes lately. We've been dumping on the Indians for a little bit, haven't we? <laughs> the uh, Indians Sri do Lankans. plenty of dumping on their own, I would say. Um, <laughs> on the, the street. <laughs> yeah. So I watched Dominion, and uh, you know, I, now I've got Paul Schrader glasses on. I know his style and everything. It's like, oh, Marin has to kill people for the Nazis. He has to point out who he wants to die. Damn, that's pretty heavy. All right, I like this movie now. So Dominion, I think, is actually the second best sequel to The Exorcist after this one. But th that might change. Maybe at the end of the year I realize, oh, actually, I sounded like a fucking retard on that one show where I was defending Exorcist Believer. Maybe what, that's happened before, but I don't think what, it will. What I want to happen with this believer strain of the series is because uh, they're going to do another. I, they're projected to make their budget back this uh, in the first weekend, so they'll probably do pretty well. Um, they're not going to put up the numbers like the original. Well, it's Again, twenty-eight million two. right now. So keeping in mind that the total gross is going to be split in half with the movie theaters, and they don't account for the advertising budget. $28 million for a $30 million movie is not a bad start. It's not his Halloween, but... They're going to have to make like but, 90 to turn a profit. That's, that's what they'll have to make. And feel safe about but, a sequel. I, I think it would have to be around that range, yeah. Yeah, it's usually triple the... In these days, it's triple the budget. But what I want to see is, I hope this movie... And, and, and again, it's not all bad. If, if I want to put my review into a bite-sized thing, it's definitely <laughs> got its stinky moments but I, I was just ready to be colossally like run out of the theater by how bad it was but it, it just was it was pedestrian i think that that's like the best way i can put it with a few cool ideas on there that weren't really that didn't really stick a landing what i want david gordon green to do is now that he made this one essentially do go go at this with the same operandi he did for the halloween series and say okay i made their movie now i'm gonna go make my movie and i'm going to be so unrelenting with it whether anybody likes it or not i hope that's what he does with the next one and i would love if he stuck the landing yeah george washington gets possessed uh, <laughs> <laughs> damn imagine if he tied that, sound, that, that sounds like bubba hotep 2 instead it could be I, so good i think that this movie uh i i think it might flop because we've got Taylor Swift's Air Tour is coming out next weekend, and that's projected to make $100 million at the box office. And then Beyonce wow. riding Cinema on her coattails like, like a, like a yeah. dirty rat. Uh, I, I, don't, I mean, I live in Nashville, and I, I mean, I don't know what the word on the street is with you guys, but there's a lot of Swifties. 
about to see this movie. They played that trailer like this... before this movie here in Costa Rica, so I, and that looked more interesting. <laughs> Where all the like, Costa oh, Ricans like cheering and, and rattling yeah. their little things. In the there was like there was like five people in my theater, which I love, by the way. But uh, there were yeah, there was like no no one cared about this movie at all. There was like three couples. And by the way, you know what I was really glad to see wasn't in front of the movie was that horrible Regal Cinema trailer where they do the movie quotes as they're walking in. That shit is the most painful experience of any movie is That's that, why you just that go to two minutes amc baby nicole kidman lullabies you before every movie when it comes her face moves just her mouth kind of moves a little bit uh, they, they did play uh, she was in aquaman that trailer played and that also looks kind of like a disaster to me we we had the new scorsese movie which Looks like a lot, like a much better movie than this one as a trailer. It's just like I kind of want to see that one. I don't. Damn, they put like zero dollars into the poster budget for Killers of the Flower Moon. Can we? Hans, you want to pull up a poster real quick? It said Apple on the trailer anyway. <laughs> that does bother me, but you know what? It bothered me when Netflix put out The Irishman, and I was pretty happy with that. Bad CG, obviously. Aside. They should have just done the 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 Macintosh logo. That that would be everybody would get that. You don't have to say an Apple original. Mm. Yeah, no yeah. crap. We get it. That would be significantly know better. Uh, is, Hans, there, is there another the, horror the movie coming out? Is there another horror movie coming out this month aside there, from there, Exorcist? There's a ton, there's a ton that are dropping this month. I just watched. I literally just watched the new Pet Cemetery movie on Paramount. Um, VHS 85 came out today. I'm done with that series. They're dead to me. That what was it. Yeah, VHS 99 or whatever the fuck it was. And then I watched I the one where one. they had Steve Ogg in it and he was a game show host. I tried to give that one a chance. He's They're a horrible. I like him. I like him on that Boiling Point show and I like him in general. He was good on Better Call Saul, but mm -hmm. these VHS movies with like the new people helming them who don't know how to direct it seems like Oh, you mean like Scott Derrickson and C. Robert Cargill? <laughs> they did them. The, the the butt buddies of the industry. Ugh. I'm good. Yeah, they they did one segment on '85. '85 is the it. new I'll, one I'll watch from this year. Yeah, that's right? the one that just dropped. Yeah. Uh, there's new, uh, uh, Cat Hell, Person. Hell House movie comes out this year. Uh, there's a uh, totally killer. With the girl from Sabrina, that's a that's a new horror movie. There's that's that new on. horror docu series that John Carpenter directed from his couch, comes out either this weekend or next weekend. There's um, uh, uh, Monster House, Monster Inside. Sorry. Uh, okay, so there's nothing. There's not is. really any legitimate <laughs> horror movie. That's all you had to say is no. There's not. Hold on, hold on. I'm only on I, I uh, October 13th. Give me a second. Are these uh, just streaming or is this theaters? Oh, that's a good question. I don't know. I just Googled horror movies coming out in October. Uh, Crossroads. What? Crossroads. It's Britney Spears movie. Um, there's a Five Nights at Freddy movie. That's going to be big. Oh, right? yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is it true that that movie's going to be two and a half hours long? Because I'm not going to watch that. I'm not going to watch a two and a half hour Friday night at Freddy's movie. 
Well, you don't want to see a Josh Hutcherson movie for two and a half hours? No, I do <laughs> not. With his Sorry. Lego head? <laughs> With him and old Matthew Lillard that looks so old now. It just made me feel old. He's not shaggy anymore. Uh, yeah, I don't know how... I saw that, that trailer played before this, too. Um, and yeah, it, I saw that one. Yeah, it's, uh, it, looks, it looks like a movie. Um, it felt to me like there was a lot coming out this year, actually. But if you don't count the streaming ones, I guess. I did see uh, When Evil Lurks. Uh, oh, that one I heard was good. I didn't like it. Oh, okay. Yeah, then it probably sucks. <laughs> Is Eli Ross yeah. Thanksgiving this year? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. yeah. That actually, I think, looks like it's going to be probably the best legitimate horror movie of the season. That looks so fun. Find that least. I, yeah. I really hope that catapults Tim Dillon as some sort of comedic star. At, oh, he's uh, hopefully. in it. Yeah, he is. Uh, he's in the trailer. He gets strangled. He's in like one shot. Oh, geez. Imagine strangling that that voice. <laughs> <laughs> that thick neck. Dude has the <laughs> fattest voice I've ever heard on a podcast. Wait, that- there's a new yeah. there's a new pet cemetery. Is that what you mentioned? Yeah, pet it's cemetery? on Paramount Plus right now. I yeah, I just watched it. How right was that coming on the show? It was fine, cozy. It was a cozy movie. It was um, it wasn't nearly as bad as the one they did a few years ago with John Lithgow. That one was horrible, absolutely garbage. This one was was a bit better. Um, Does it nothing, have anything to do with the good. book? I mean, directly from the book. No, it, it takes place in 1969 and it kind of readjusts the nice. timeline. So Judd Crandall's a young man in the late sixties and it's about what, what it, what it draws from, from the book is about uh, the Timothy Baderman character. So the soldier that the comes war. back. Yeah. Yeah. That's the main kind of plot line in the thread from the book that is uh, the story in this one. It, it's, it's fine. It's like a cozy you know, boogly woogly, type movie it's it's not that bad but well uh, there's i don't know if you saw that one from what 2018 no that was awful that came out right at the tail end of the stephen king resurgence dying down and i knew better than to tune into that one so but i'm i'm willing to bet compared to anything out now it's probably like a solid four out of ten instead of a two out of ten like Mm -hmm. it might have been uh, the, uh, the worst movie that I think I've seen that's anything horror related this year has been Renfield. I thought Renfield was just unwatchable, Such a disappointment. stupid dreck. I thought the idea in theory was good. Like this kind of, this kind of horror comedy that's like, a, like abusive friend. I, I was in for it cause I said, okay, it's just going to be a funny movie, but, but that whole crime family subplot with the dude from parks and rec or whatever john ralphio was like so stupid like idiot it just felt like like a bad mindy kaling comedy that had dracula in it did either of you see talk to me yeah wasn't a fan it was dreary and meh yeah the opening act was fine but then it was just like there was nothing after that opening act that was interesting uh, or very frightening. And it was just that same kind of monochrome a 24 
pallid oh boy i'm sad and things are dark for the next hour that that's all it was like i wanted to like it it made a lot of money and it is it all in are they all australian in that movie yeah yeah annoyingly australian (laughs) okay okay then that's why i don't want to see it (laughs) but there's there's such a space for i can only take that accent so much Oh my grab this hand here. Take a squeeze of this hand. I, I can't. For a full 90 fucking minutes, I can't. I might get on my phone. That hand's gonna grow up yeah. <laughs> yeah, let me in. <laughs> let him dangle those uh, fingers over your private parts. Oh, there's a new Hunger <laughs> Games movie coming out in November. That's cool. Uh, Dream yeah, scenario a... with the Nicolas Cage. That one looks all right, that could it's be good. Yeah. For that could be, yeah, that could be good. So, but, bringing uh, up all these actually recent entries in the horror genre, low res, it, I, I call it what you will. Um, it makes, in context at least, Exorcist Believer better to me. No, because here, like something like Talk to Me, this huge hit, made, I think it was made for four million bucks and it makes like. 70 million in the box office or something like that all the critics love it it was a snooze it was it was nothing it was just i i lower as i saw your review it, it just kind of poked fun at like zoomers and how lame they are which is true but i think it, I, I thought it just leaned into that too much and i didn't like the whole smartphone game aspect of it for the first 40 minutes but i thought it was fine yeah. you know i i have exorcist believer above talk to me the only the top horror movie for this year for my my list at the moment anyway is Skinamarink, which I didn't even enjoy yeah. when I watched it. It was more just in retrospect. I, I was like, yeah, I, I can appreciate what they did there. Have you seen three horror movies this year? <laughs> I've seen. All right, here's what I've seen this year. I've seen Skinamarink. I've seen Exorcist Believer, Talk to Me, Evil Dead Rise, which I thought started strong and petered out and became a total disappointment by the end of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Cocaine Bear. I don't know if that counts as a horror movie. That Oh, that was what it was. Uh, Winnie the Pooh, Blood and Honey. Remember, we did a show oh, on that, God, Hans. That, that was, was pretty bad. Year, yeah, I, I, I saw it's on Peacock. I got to finally watch it so I can. They put I, it I, on I, Peacock. Like wow, stars. good for yeah. good for them. And uh, money, yeah, I Renfield. guess it was such a waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was. It was horrible. But, but you know to, what? To, oh, yeah, Fuck Disney. Ahead. So that that's that. The worst one was Renfield. Then it was Winnie the Pooh. But it was uh, just neck and neck between those two. But yeah, with that in mind, it makes me think about did Exorcist Believer really stick the landing? I, I think for the most part it didn't. But there, there's a distinction there between the kinds of creative choices that somebody like David Gordon Green makes. And then as the critics in the box office would say, the cream of the crop, somebody like the guys who made Talk to Me. I, I, I think it's total apple, apples and oranges. I think Green is the better and more introspective filmmaker. And I, I just think he had the burden of having having to shoulder the most famous and infamous horror movie of all time and to interject his own his own take into it. So while it doesn't stick the landing entirely and it does disappoint in some regards, I can at least look at his effort and say, you know what, he did something that at least felt different and he took a different approach to it. And and, and above all, even with the some of the dull moments in this movie, I was more entertained than most of the other movies you just said, you know, sure as hell, like talk to me and evil dead rise. I found it, they, they fell off 
after the first act. I did like Skinner Rink, but that that's a experimental film, not really a commonplace kind of palatable movie like Exorcist Believer is supposed to be. So with that in mind, in that in context, it it plays to what we've all kind of been saying that Exorcist Believer isn't this travesty that everybody's saying it is. It's just that it's not great and it's not what the first movie was, which is virtually impossible to accomplish. But it tries to do its own thing. And and for that, at least I can I can give him credit. Uh, Green. I agree. Uh, Jay, what do you think is your final verdict on Exorcist Believer? Uh, I think maybe after this conversation, I might check it out again. Seeming seeing that there's like virtually no other horror films coming out for the rest of the month, so maybe I'll just check it out again. Uh, like I said, I do think, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I do think, like, just from an atmosphere standpoint, I think David Gordon Green is growing a lot, especially since Halloween 2018. Um, there had like a I, I like how he shoots his movies in like the deep south, like in Georgia or North Carolina. And like the houses he chooses is just very specifically old Southern, which I can appreciate. Um, I think I just um, was frustrated with the overall exorcism deal, but I think it started pretty strong with kind of taking a prisoner's aspect to the genre. Um, I think I'll see it again, but it just kind of like, it was really hard for me not to compare it to the original because there's just so many beats that it follows. And then every time it followed that beat, I was like, well, it was just done better. Uh, I mean, much better than the first one. So. And what about you, Hans? I saw, I just saw on Letterboxd, you did not really give this a bad star rating. Two stars to me is a passable passable rating all right I'm, i might change that then uh, <laughs> i i called it uh exorcist boo lever um i think that's the uh, first thing that han said after he said i got out of the theater boo <laughs> so yeah i i just uh i guess my biggest issue is that i don't think I'm going to be remembering anything that happened in this movie unless I watch it again. I don't think anything about it is memorable or that would stick with me. And when you have that name attached to it, you expect something. Even the Exorcist 3 version that I watched uh, uh, that I wasn't a huge fan of, there's scenes from that movie that stick with me or that I could think or think back on. Uh, again, even though I, I don't even think that the version that I watched was even a horror movie. Uh, with this one, I, there's really nothing that sticks with me or that I that I feel it's even worth uh, revisiting or that in five years I'm going to be like, hey, you know what, uh, Exorcist Believer, maybe we should rewatch that so that this scene or this character or this, I, I just, I, I felt like it was unnecessary. I felt like uh, if you're not going to uh, maybe not undo the original because that that's a very hard thing to do or even attempt, give me something to to like keep me interesting or something that would that I can revisit in the future. I I I don't think I'm going to be thinking about this movie next week or even on Monday, you know. Uh there there's not nothing about it that that sticks with me. So I guess that's my biggest problem with it. 
uh, now I, I wanted to segue a little bit into uh, Jay's short film, which I've seen, MK Ultraviolence, that just got a, a pretty good review from Film Threat, right? Uh, and he was just playing on a, a film festival. So uh, do you want to talk about that? I don't know if it's available online yet, but uh, I... It like that a lot more than the Exorcist Believers. <laughs> Maybe. Oh, wow. I will co-sign that. I did enjoy that much more than Exorcist Believer, but I also enjoyed both. So that's oh. a triple for me. So you get three stars from three critics here. Now, everybody, oh, Jay, Jay, made, Jay made a pretty awesome uh, period piece short film. Beautifully shot. Really, really well shot. Thank you. Um, yeah, Al actually, Alan Ng reviewed that, and I don't think he proofread his review, but because uh, he spelled Vietnam, Viet name, yes. um, but it's it's fine. Uh, I appreciate that. That really means a lot, especially being just like a viewer of the show. I, I that really means a lot. Um, so I just had a screening in the Nashville Film Festival, where which is where I saw. Um, when evil lurks and it's going to screen at some more festivals throughout the month. I'll be going to Knoxville horn horror film fest in two weeks. Then I'll be going to nightmares film festival at the end of the month during Halloween weekend. Um, which is, I think that's the biggest one that I got into so far. Um, so yeah, I think it went pretty well. Um, the biggest thing is just people in town have kind of started to recognize me and, just like actors and other people like producers started to notice my name. And I think that's the best I could hope for. So um, I'm actually shooting another short film next, next month. I mean, no, not next, but next week and hopefully releasing on Halloween day. So just be on the lookout for that. So. Excellent. Do you have a website or something where you're going to be maybe hosting some of your work eventually once you get through the festival circuit or anything you want to direct people to uh you can you can check me out on instagram that's where i'm most active it's just j curtis miller uh and then i'm on, on twitter but i don't want everybody to follow me on there and it's my same name uh my website i don't really update that much but um instagram is like just the biggest thing where i post all my updates and um potentially gonna start up a youtube channel just to showcase some of my shorts but uh right now instagram's a thing to go to awesome well i'm looking forward to everything else you wind up doing and i don't know maybe maybe i'll be involved in at least one of those things i don't know we'll see i don't want to speak too soon here we'll we'll find out but sure. uh, uh, all right spot. yeah yeah <laughs> No, there's conversations right <laughs> that don't involve you, Hans. I wouldn't just come on now. Listen, that's been that's been movies for this week. Uh, Jake, give your give your handle real quick. Oh, really quick. I wanted to say, um, do you guys know? I don't know if you know this. I might be onto something. There might be a curse of exorcist believer going on right now. Do you know that? A curse of exorcist doing, believer. I was it's doing just deep. me. Was it me cursing after getting out of the theater? <laughs> How much I hated this. Hans just pouting, stomping his feet down yeah. in San Juan. Everyone thinking it's La Llorona. That's Puerto Rico, you racist. <laughs> I, it's a, you're Mexican. You're Mexican. So, uh, no, no, no. It's uh, 
I was doing some research because our dearly departed uh, Bill Friedkin passed away uh, very recently, which, by the way, his movie just came out on Paramount tonight. So I'm watching that either tonight. His final film uh, came out tonight on Paramount Plus. So I, I am would, watching I that as recommend... soon as we're done here, basically. I'm I got to say, doing a movie. The, the cast of that looks fantastic, but the way that it's shot feels like a Showtime series. That it's, it just it, seems very flat, but we'll see. I You know, reviews, even when... Even when he's not great, it's still kind of an interesting failure. So I'm I'm fully on board. And it seems like it was. It, I, I know you're about to talk about the reviews. Last I oh, checked, it seemed to be performing well in terms of reviews. They. It seems like it was the fitting swan swan song for old Hurricane Billy. Um, everybody seems to like it. I, I can't wait to watch it. But uh, this curse I'm telling you guys about. So we lost our. our Dearly beloved William Friedkin, just uh, maybe about six or seven weeks ago to the rec recording of the show. But we also lost two other veteran exorcist uh, crew members. We lost Father William O'Malley, who played Father Dyer. He just passed away this past July. Uh, he, he was an, an old man, too. So that, that's two. You know, they come in threes, they say. And number three was the at the beginning of the year, actually, Owen Reutzman the cinematographer who his work is understated on the original film really. And something I thought was super lacking in the new movie, um, that kind of vision of cinematography. So Owen, Owen Reutzman, William O'Malley and, and Bill Friedkin all, all bit the dust the same year exorcist believer comes out. So by the I way, would, damn, father Dyer was gay as fuck in that movie. I never realized that as a child, just how flamboyantly gay <laughs> that priest was. Liberace at the piano wanted to die and go to heaven and, and get all the attention. Man, what a gay man. Well, I'm sorry to hear they all died, I guess. Linda Blair's face also died like 10 years but ago. Her good looks. Real quick, have you guys seen The Guardian? Because I haven't seen that one yet. Yeah, that's I'm the one check where that out this Halloween. it's a plant that needs to feed on a child. Hans, you explained the synopsis. Not long ago, maybe it was just the last episode we recorded. I feel like I've seen clips of it. I don't know if I've watched the entirety of it. I've heard that's like an interesting failure. And I mean, I'm probably going to check it out this Halloween season. So I will be watching yeah. Blue Chips for Halloween. That's what I'll be watching. That's a great movie. I love that movie. <laughs> it's, uh, it's Shaquille really O'Neal's best performance. Aside from Steel. God. No, that's Judd Nelson's best performance in that movie. <laughs> what are you reading, Hans? What's The Guardian? An the honest Guardian? compass made to battle back when the corruption in his apartment threatens his family? Is that it? That's an Asian movie. No, that is, yeah, that, that's it, Hans. You, gotta, <laughs> you couldn't simply deduce that was not William Friedkin. You had to continue reading. Um, no, Listen, it's about, it's like, it's got an evil dead, it's got an evil dead sort of vibe to it where there's a plant, a tree that comes to life and needs to feed on the, the person who owns the house. Wow. Is he called the guardian? I just think along with Ashton Kutcher and Kiefer Sutherland, right? Isn't that? Yeah, what? that's what I, that's what I, it's just like, I don't think I've ever talked about this movie before. <laughs> The only thing I can think of is the poster because it it apes off the it uh, the thing poster a lot. Just someone standing in a 
a doorway with a silhouette. Well, That's the only thing I know. I don't think I've seen any stills from it. I don't think we're deducing what the Guardian is this evening, so you should just go watch Jade. That's his other biggest failure is Jade. I think it's on Tubi with Linda Fiorentino, who disappeared after the year 1999. That one sucks. Italian-American's most famous heartthrob, gone at the blink of an eye. Are are we are you good, Hans? Can I wrap this show yeah. up? Are you do you got from it? From nineteen ninety, I just found it. Yeah, a young couple with a newborn baby. Yeah. That, That's it. Yeah. No, I Sounds haven't seen it. Sounds very wholesome. You... Sounds very terms of endearment. This one? Yep. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Yeah. How could you forget the movie with Jenny Seagrove? And um Brad Hall. Brad Hall. Miguel Ferrer. There you go. That's someone I recognize. Some, There's the talent. Right? The Night Flyer. Cool. Great movie. I love this movie. I think I so named this I'm my favorite movie in 1990. Cool. All right. Dead Air. Great. All right. That's been Movies for This Week. Thank you for, for listening.